This is the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. The dream of Satoshi Nakamoto, the mysterious founder of Bitcoin, was to have a global payment system operating outside of the banking system that was secure, fast, and cheap. One where you could transfer money in seconds and have it settled immediately. Many people believe such a system already exists under the name of Visa or MasterCard, but it doesn't. When you swipe your Visa card, your purchase is batched with thousands of other payments and settled in bulk a few days later. If payments have to be reversed, all of this is happening in delayed time. Ripple was founded as a cryptographic solution to this problem of delayed payment settlement. According to Investopedia, Ripple is a technology that acts as both a cryptocurrency and a digital payment network for financial transactions, similar to the SWIFT system used by the banks. So, Ripple is the network and XRP the currency that serves as an intermediate mechanism of exchange between two currencies or networks. It was designed to serve as a global payments network competing with the likes of SWIFT and counts major banks and financial services groups as its customers. South African company Zago, that's spelt X-A-G-O, is using XRP as a vehicle to introduce stable coins into Africa, starting with Togo and Madagascar. It's been a blistering year for Zago. In January, it partnered with Bitmama Exchange, allowing customers to send digital ZAR, that is the crypto equivalent of a RAND, to more than 10 African countries. In March 2021, Zago teamed up with Paxful to connect 5 million crypto traders. A large part of Paxful's business is remittances to Africa, which is reckoned to be worth about $480 billion a year, but at huge costs of 5 to 9%. And that comes directly off the GDPs of African countries. Joining us to discuss how cryptos and blockchain are opening up financial flows in Africa is Zago co-founder and CEO, Mark Chernside. Welcome, Mark. For people who are unfamiliar with how cryptos are changing the way Africans transact and do business, give us a brief primer. How are cryptos solving problems that exist this current system cannot fulfill? Thank you for the opportunity to chat. Um, yeah, today, is, as you rightly just said, uh, payments actually occur, but the people think they're happening in real time. It's not actually the case, So, but that is a perception. Um, in most time, real time is batched, as you say, and merchants are often paid five to 30 days later. Um, and certainly today in Africa, it's not cheap or even getting cheaper. And in fact, the less you send or spend, the more it costs you and the merchant in percentage terms. That is the legacy that cryptos can evolve and fix. So we've been through a number of evolutions in IT over the past 30 years, and I don't think we'll be talking about cryptos in five years time. I think it'll just be part of the norm. We'll be discussing the next revolution, or evolution, I should say. How's it helping Africans? Well, the ability to move money either to pay a supplier or another person, your, your family or friend, quickly uh, for the uh, typically a right type of pricing and reducing the amount of cash that's moving around. And therefore, that's what, to me, is why crypto is a win. I've been in payments for 30 years, but I think crypto is a win-win-win, even for the banks. They wake up and get on with the, on with the journey. Okay, Zago is now involved in developing stable coins for different countries in Africa. Maybe for listeners, just explain what is a stable coin and why this is important to the development of countries like Togo and Madagascar. If I explain like a, to the South African RAN, when you deposit funds into Zago, into your account at Zago, we actually convert it on a one-to-one -one ratio. So if you put a, a hundred rand in, you'll get a hundred digital rand on the system. And if you wish to withdraw that hundred digital rand, you'll get a hundred rand back. So that's how that process works. So we create a stable coin, which is what we call pegged one-to-one -one 
with the local currency. So in the different countries across Africa, they'll again be pegged one-to-one. And then we're not using a crypto coin like Bitcoin or even XRP for that matter as a bridging currency. Thus, and So we don't get the what's called arbitrage between the two different currencies. So we can actually make it more consistent about what you're sending, what the other person's going to receive, when they're going to receive it, and it makes much more for a much more comfortable transaction ready for all, all concerned. Give us a sense of how Zago's financial traffic across your platform has grown over the last year or two. I know just in the course of this year, in the last few months, you've signed up a number of partners. What's the traffic light and the, the volumes across your platform? Since October, we're up nearly 3,000% on monthly volume and therefore revenue. Since, since October. So, so we're talking about in yeah. six months, about 3,000% yeah. increase. All right. Was that off a very low yeah. base? <laughs> it was, yeah. To be honest, yes. The business was uh, originally funded, if you like, to get the technology right. And now the second round of fundings that came in in October was about make, turning that technology into business. And that's what we've been doing since October. And that's seen the big increase. But the volume's increasing. You know, we, we were doing a few millions a month. We now do a few millions a day. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I'm just interested to hear how you got the attention of the financial authorities in places like Togo and Madagascar, and presumably you're talking to other countries in Africa as well. Just explain how that happened. Are they really jumping on board with cryptography and understand how it can benefit their economies? Yeah, we're doing it through a partner. We've um, announced with a gentleman called Donaldson, um, ex-professional football player. So he's well um, well connected in Africa, if you like, because of those backgrounds. Um, and he's working closely with the different countries. You know, if we think a bank's going to take some time to close, government may take a little longer. Um, but the, the activity that's been going on in different countries across Africa, a number of different countries, is, is really, really nice to see and feel. Um, and it's not taking the time that we envisaged it would take, to be honest. Um, it's actually going much quicker. So I think most of the governments are looking and saying, what can we do to either stop crypto, which is an unfortunate position, or they're saying, how do we embrace it and make it viable for us as a, as a country or as, for, our, for our people? And I think that's certainly with the, the Togo conversation and uh, a couple of other countries, that's that's what's been happening. They're actually more embracing. And that's even with the, the South African. We work heavily with the Reserve Bank here. And uh, we've been embracing regulations. Countries that are embracing regulations, that would be like South Africa, Togo, Madagascar, and I think Ethiopia as well, because Cardano has announced that they're doing it. But then on the other hand, we hear about Nigeria actually trying to, I won't say interfere, but certainly cutting the relationship between crypto exchanges and the banking sector. So some countries are embracing it, some are not. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I can speak from personal experience. I, when we did what e-money regulation in Europe, I had a, pro, a company there that was doing okay. We got regulated, and we didn't just go after three or three percent of the population that were on the edge, if you like. We went after a hundred percent of the population. So it changed our model. That company turned into a billion pound a year. So there's a, a massive opportunity here at the moment. We're only really targeting sort of three or four percent of the populace that's interested in crypto. Do you see uh, foresee a time in the not too distant future when stable coins and crypto surpass SWIFT in terms of financial volumes? I have to be honest, I'd love to have a perfect answer for you there and say, yes, it's going to be in a Friday week. But um, reality is, I think, you know, people Swift, like people like Swift will keep uh, evolving as well. Otherwise, they will you know, go out of business. But I do see them having struggle against speed. You know, when you know, companies like ourselves can move money from South Africa to the UK in four seconds. That's that's a challenge for someone like Swift because um, they tend to batch and, you know, at a cost far, far less than the, the typical two to five hundred rand that Swift transaction is going to cost you. So, um, yeah, I can see them having a challenge, but I do see them 
adapting and evolving to try and push that off. Bigger value transactions are crypto can easily be easily, you know, on terms of cost. Uh, the smaller the transaction, it gets a bit more difficult, but it still can beat. Um, and that's where we are, we're struggling. You know, Swift isn't really for the small transactions. I want to send a thousand rand to mum. I don't want to be paying 20% or even 8 or 9%. I want to be paying 1%. And I think that is possible. Is that typically what you would be paying if you're using these, um, you know, cryptography or, or stable coins? 1 to 2%. 2% would be a high end. Because the World Bank does keep uh, a track of these remittances and the cost of these remittances, and it's, it is a huge chunk. I mean, you, you mentioned 20%. I've even seen 27% uh, for, for some of these, for small amounts of money that are being sent from South Africa to, for example, Kenya, 27%, with an average of 12. Yeah, I mean, I've been in payments 30 years, and I'm, to be honest, we've been trying to fix this challenge, but I think this is the fix, the way we can fix it. Um, I think 20 to 30% or even 10% is crazy. When you're, you're sending 100 rand somewhere, yeah, that you have to pay 10 of that away, but the other person who receives 90 is still not right. So, And it doesn't really cost the organization behind it any more money to send 100 rand or 100,000 rand. It's still you know, the same amount of process is carrying on. Okay, talk about the advantages of XRP as a payment mechanism. Why not Bitcoin or the RAND? What are the, 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 the attractions of using XRP? So when Zargo started, we actually did our POC on Bitcoin. And a POC was a point-of-sale retailer. So you could walk in and pay using your cell phone number for goods and services in that retailer. Now, it worked. It worked really well. We proved it could work on a point-of-sale. But at a retailer, you only have 15 seconds, really, to pay and move on so the next person could be served. Bitcoin didn't help. Bitcoin took too long to confirm. The cost of transacting was way too high. And thirdly, and perhaps more importantly to the, to the merchant, the volatility that the merchant was going to get. Am I going to get 100 rand for that basket or am I going to get 95 or I'm going to get 105? So there was always that volatility. So that's why Zargo moved to XRP. Uh, two reasons. One, it takes 3.8 seconds to transact. Two, it's a lot lower cost because of the way uh, XRP is formed. And we can tell the merchant confidently the finality of the amount they're going to receive in that moment in time. So everyone is happier and you've moved on and the next person could be served. So that's why we chose XRP as a payment mechanism. And then that just evolves up as you go to bigger and bigger transactions still faster. All right. So the, the one thing being the cost, so hopefully you can do the costs at, you know, 1% or 2%. The second thing is you can do it in seconds, whereas with Bitcoin, it can take an hour also, and if you're using Visa or MasterCard, the, the traditional card payments, it takes days. It does. The merchant, merchant doesn't get paid for five, you know, five days if they're lucky. Well, three to five days if they're big. Um, Thirty if you're not so big, um, and you're going to be spending away three to seven percent of your revenue. Right. For a small business, th those are big costs, right? They are. They absolutely. Are. Talk about remittances. We did touch on this a little bit earlier. This is reckoned to be worth 480, close to 500 billion a year in Africa. That's the diaspora, the African diaspora, sending money back to family and friends back home every month. Is this a market that you have your eye on? Clearly, the, you, you've done a deal now with Paxful, and this is very much part of their market. So clearly, you are also targeting this market. Yeah, we are. I think we have to, we're getting to a point where we'll be able to say – send 1,000 rand or 1,000 um, Nigerian Naira, and it will be there, and you'll get confirmation on your phone. How it got there using crypto isn't overly necessary for everybody to understand, because you don't understand, most people don't understand how Visa or MasterCard works today, or a money transfer company works today. What you want to know is the money got there, 
mum got her money and mum's happy. And if you can get that answer back in five or so seconds, that's a, that's a positive. So we definitely believe in that model and right down to the handset. So send from your bank, for example, or send from your store of value money to relative gardener, a friend, um, or just to pay for goods and services that you acquired. So uh, definitely going down the money transfer market. So we want to be able to use that for remittances and just payments of business to business. But we actually want to do it under the watchful eye of the regulator. We actually wish to be regulated. Zaga is very, very strong minded about this. We believe in regulation. We don't want to fight regulation. It needs to be the proper regulation for the crypto space. All right. So the technology is going to become fairly irrelevant to the customer at the end of the day. He, he doesn't really care and he's not interested whether he's getting paid, whether it's Visa that's doing the transmission, whether it's cryptocurrency, whether it's Zago or some other company. The fact is in, in seconds, he's going to be able to receive his money um, and you're completely agnostic or he will be completely agnostic as to the technology being used. Is that what you're saying? Yep, I'm saying that. So the consumer doesn't mind. I mean, some people will want to know, and they should, if they wish to know, they can be explained to. It's no problem. Uh, most people want the money. Just did the person I sent it to get it, and when and how much did they get, and are they comfortable? Are they happy with that? And uh, I think that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, you're sending money, or you're sending money to pay for goods and services that you've received. So you want it to be done, um, and you don't want the, the payment shouldn't be a barrier to doing business, which they often are be very much in alignment with the original founding document of Bitcoin. It was designed to be a payment mechanism. Uh, it was going to be cheap, it was going to be secure, and it was going to be fast. Bitcoin has developed into something else. It's, it's not quite, as you've already mentioned, it's not quite as fast as it should be, or maybe as, as people would like it to be. But here you have XRB, which is solving many of the problems that Satoshi Nakamoto set out to solve. So, what is the rest of the year hold for Zago? Where, where do you see yourself being at the end of this year in terms of uh, a company? And what kind of partnerships do you think you'll have lined up by the end of the year? Yep. So I've actually announced the, the different countries in, in terms of what we're actually doing in each of the countries and who the partners are. Um, there'll be more uh, distribution and collection points. So how to, to how to get money in and out. Uh, partnerships with other crypto exchanges around the world so that you don't, um, so they can face the South African market. Uh, and African market, I should say. Um, more stable coins, and not really to finish with it, one very big surprise, but that's for another day, which I'll have to, hopefully have to be able to tell you in the very, very near future. All right. I mean, the interesting point about the stable coin, like the, the RAND, you know, it, it doesn't really have a border. So you, you could find markets developing for the RAND in all sorts of odd places, like yeah, Nigeria. We're talking, at the moment. we're talking about Japan at the moment, converting from RAND to Japanese yen. On the, on the fly. So there could be people in Japan who, you know, who want RAND. They can convert that just as easily into yen or to dollar or euro or anything else. So uh, it does open up some interesting possibilities for the RAND and for stable coins. I think it opens up strength. And the one beauty about the whole of this process, which I think gets lost actually a little bit, is when you deposit RAND and you convert it to a crypto coin, be it stable or another, the RAND itself physically never leaves the country. We're not actually, although we're reporting it from a regulatory point of view, the actual RAND is still in a South African bank account. It hasn't gone. What actually went was the crypto. So you've bought a product and sent a product. It's often a, a missing point. And so that does add up to a lot of advantages to, to the country as well. 
And, and does the South African Reserve Bank recognize that the, the money doesn't actually leave the country? Are they happy with that explanation? Uh, we, well, they can see it. It's in the bank account. The one thing we are is we're very open about that. But um, yes, they can see it. And from, from a Zago point of view, it's not how all cryptos work. But from a Zago point of view, yes, they can see our bank account. They can see how much is in there. They can see all the transactions that are in there. So we're very uh, transparent in that respect. And what that also means is that the customer's money is protected because it's it's not, you know, absconded it away into a bank account, which they know nothing about, as we've seen in previous companies. So, yeah, from a, what's called capital adequacy point of view, it makes for a very strong, strong view on, on Zargo from a regulator point of view. All right. We're going to keep an eye on this space. This is a fascinating discussion and really look forward to catching up with you uh, about some of the developments that you've been talking about between now and the end of the year. That was Mark Chernside, who is the CEO and co-founder of Zago. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.